Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. from this chapter for our Sunday morning message, and uh, we're just kind of following the days, um, well, actually the hours here um, before and then after Calvary and then leading up to the event that we're going to be celebrating this Uh, Not this Sunday, but next Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm just covering some of those events in Scripture and kind of centering around Calvary. And let's start there with verse 50. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just. The same had not consented to the counsel indeed of them, He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down, and he wrapped it in linen, and lay it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never a man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. And the women also, verse 55, which came with him from Galilee, followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. And uh, I just want to preach from this uh, title. I kind of grappled with what subject to affix on this message tonight, but I want to preach in the meantime, in the meantime, let's, let's pray the Lord's help. Would you pray with me that the Lord would anoint and bless the remainder of this service? We need his help. We need his strength. I pray, God, that you would have your way tonight. Minister, move, work, God, in this place. Touch the hearts of people in this house. Do what only you can do. God, work in the souls and the hearts of individuals that are gathered here. I pray, Lord, that you encourage us through your word. Help us, God, to have understanding of some things through your word here tonight. I pray it in Jesus' name. Give inspiration and hope to someone. We thank you for it. In the name of the Lord. Amen. God bless you so much for standing. You may be seated. Again, this past Sunday, I preached from this chapter about the centurion, actually, just a few verses previous to this, who witnessed the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, and I preached from his perspective what it was that impacted him 
and affected him and how it changed his life and how that he was able to say, surely this was a righteous man. And the Bible said that he glorified God. Tonight, I want to take this a bit further in this story and the progression of things and talk about the events just after the death of Jesus. The Bible says this man, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a just man and also tells us that he was someone that was good, he was a good man and a just man. It's almost like a double compliment that is given there. And uh, so the Bible is underscoring the fact that he was not a part of those, even though he was part of the religious folks of that day, he was not among those that had planned or took counsel against Jesus to crucify him. In fact, he was on the opposite side of things, and he was also believing for the coming Messiah. And some way or another, he was convinced through what he had witnessed here at the cross and what he had saw. He was convinced that, in fact, Jesus was who he said he was. Notice anybody that really had their heart open and was there and witnessed what happened at Calvary with an open mind and heart. They did not walk away unaffected. They did not leave unchanged. They did not leave that event uh, without being deeply impacted by it. And so I think that's an important thing to note. Anytime you come into the presence of the Lord, anytime you feel the touch of God, uh, you cannot leave. If you come open, if you come hungry, if you come with a spirit that is receptive, you're going to be impacted by that. You're going to be affected by it. It's going to, to leave its mark on your life. You may not even, I've seen people come and maybe they weren't even interested or hungry as they should be at the time. But nevertheless, uh, when they came, they didn't come with a spirit of resistance. They came with an attitude that was open towards the things of God. And uh, maybe they weren't really ready or prepared at that time to make a move, but yet years later, because of the seed that was planted in their heart, they were impacted by that. And they always remembered that, that visitation uh, from the Spirit of the Lord or that time that they spent in God's presence. I'm going to tell you, the presence of the Lord will impact you, and it will change you. And so this man feels the need, takes it upon himself and goes to uh, Pilate. And the Bible uses terms that we're probably not used to in our English language. It says, uh, beg the body of Jesus, in the King James English there. But he asked, in other words, he wanted permission to take and properly bury the body of Jesus and most historians and Bible scholars that follow these events in the timeline, you'll notice that uh, things kind of accelerate around the crucifixion and the timeline, and it tells us, you know, about what hour of the day. And, of course, their keeping of time is different from our keeping of time today, but most Bible scholars believe that by the time uh, that Jesus died on the cross, that it was around three in the afternoon, and so he was racing the clock. 
He knows that he only has but just a few hours. Uh, If he doesn't take the body of Jesus off of the cross and quickly prepare him and wrap him properly and place him in the sepulcher before dark, it was the law, the custom then, that Jews could not do this type of work after dark. And evening was drawing nigh. And uh, if it was left to the Romans, then they would just take and discard the body themselves. And he didn't mean anything to them. They would have desecrated his body by uh, probably burning him, most theologians believe. So just a few hours to get the body down and to wrap the body of Jesus and then to place him in the tomb before the sun sets. And so the time is ticking and he's racing the clock and while he is doing these duties the Bible shifts its attention over to this group of ladies that have been following these events very closely and the Bible tells us that they were from Galilee they didn't just happen on this place they weren't just there by happenstance but they had came a distance to get there they were from Galilee and It indicates to us who it was. And these sisters showed up uh, and they were there. They were committed followers of the Lord. And among them was Mary, his mother. There was Mary Magdalene. Also, there was Mary and Martha. And there could have been others. We're not sure exactly. It would just leave open for the imagination who else could have been in that group. They are now following after what's going to happen to the Lord. And though he is dead, they are still following and pursuing. And they find it hard to no doubt accept uh, that this is the way that it's going to end or that it's going to end like this. And they find it hard to acknowledge that all of their dreams have been shattered. And now their hopes uh, seemingly have been lost. Everything and all their faith that they placed in the Lord, they just are grappling with it all and no doubt very saddened. And all of their plans have been put on hold. And we can find ourselves in a similar position in life, following something that appears hopeless, pursuing something that Uh, appears impossible as far as humanly speaking, as far as logically, as far as we can see in our own way of thinking. It just looks like it's over with. And they wanted to at least properly anoint uh, the body of Jesus and place him in the tomb as they would traditionally do and was their custom. In other words, they wanted to do more, but the sun was setting. The sun was going down. It was late in the evening. And so really, Joseph of Arimathea, all of his work and all his preparation had to be done. And there was no time left. There was nothing that they could do but watch him be buried. Can I tell you that life and even sometimes the Lord allows life to happen this way. You know, sometimes you can't 
always blame uh, everything on the enemy. And you can't blame everything on somebody else. And if they'd have done something different, things would have turned out differently or wouldn't have been this way. But we have to, as children of God, sometimes believe that we're in the hands of the Lord. And these were not sinners per se. These were followers of Jesus. These were worshipers of God. These were people that were committed and they were consecrated. And so this was a disappointment for them. And they were placed in a position like we are many times where all they could do was watch him be buried. And seemingly there was nothing else to be done. All the moves had already been made that could be made. All the options had already uh, been played out. All of the words that could be spoken had been spoken. All of the avenues had been exhausted. And uh, they're left in a position where they have to just accept things as it is for the moment. There's no more, uh, can we try again next time? There's no more pleas to be given. There's no more words to be spoken out that can change this event. You're in a place where all you can do, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've certainly been there, and if you haven't been there, you will be there, where you just have to watch it be buried, whatever it is, and you just have to submit to what is going on and say, I'm going to have to accept that this is the will of God for the moment. And that's a tough place. That's challenging for our faith. I've seen people deal with this in sickness. I've seen people deal with this in trusting God with other situations that are going on setbacks in their lives that they can't really explain and uh, they're just having to live them out because it's hard to stand back and to watch something be buried that you hoped that you could save that you hoped that you could change that you hoped that you could make a difference in so in that moment when you feel that there's nothing more that you could do Every avenue has been exhausted. Everything that you plan to, to do to uh, advert this and to stop this or to slow this down, it's already been exhausted. And you're watching something that you love, something that you desire, something that you plan to turn out a different way, be buried. Uh, I want to turn your attention to these ladies and illustrate to you what you ought to do in that moment. And uh, I think we can learn from them that there are some things that we can do in the meantime. Has anybody ever had to live through the meantime? Am I the only one here tonight that's ever had to have faith in the meantime? Uh, that's ever had to trust God in the meantime? That's ever just had to accept that, that God's going to have to have His way and God's going to have to intervene and God's going to have to work this out? It's beyond my human capacity. It's beyond my ability I've been there with some of you in this church and prayed with you in some of those situations and believed God with many of you in the meantime. Notice that the Bible says that they, first of all, returned home. It didn't stop there. They didn't return home to wallow in their self-pity. They didn't return home to rehearse with one another the pain that they were going through and how much this was hurtful and 
and to talk about it. And You know, there's a time when you, you talk about things, but there's a time that you just have to quit talking about things or you're just going to get further discouraged. You, there's a time when you quit rehearsing how bad it is and start talking about a future. Start talking about tomorrow. Start talking about what God can do with the situation. And the Bible says this, they went home and they prepared spices and ointments. Didn't go home and feel sorry for themselves, but the word that should jump off the page to you and I and that should minister to you and I is that word prepared. Because you don't prepare for something that's already happened. You prepare for something that's yet in the future. You prepare and hope for something that you believe is going to take place that hasn't already come to pass, that hasn't already happened. Somebody needs to hear me in the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. Things may not have turned out as you desired them to in certain situations and as you planned them to or you even imagined or envisioned it was going to happen. But that doesn't mean it's over and that does not mean that God is through You don't need just to accept that as the final thing. But what you need to do is prepare for the next chapter of what God may have for me in my life. There's something that God still, I'm still his child. I'm still following him. And I know that he's going to bring to pass something that is great. I know that there's a promise that he's still going to fulfill. And I'm not going to give up in the process. I'm not going to throw in the towel in the process. But I'm going to trust God that he knows what's best. And at the end of the day, he's going to have his way. And he's going to have, you know, they they may feel like they put it to death. They may feel like that they've totally, uh, totally destroyed everything bit of hope and every bit of future that there is but we know the enemy doesn't have the last say but God has the last say somebody say that with me God has the last say oh clap your hands and let's praise the Lord so when you don't know what to do you prepare for what God has in store for you it's not over you don't need to stop believing Matter of fact, you need to stop believing that it's over and start preparing. The scripture said, I had not seen, ear had not heard the things that I have in store for you, in other words. The prophet Jeremiah was used of the Lord to speak to God's people, and he said, I know, God said through the prophet, I know the thoughts that I have for you. In other words, I got plans for you. There's a future for you. Amen. Somebody needs to believe that. When you're at a dead-end road, you need to start looking. Is there some other path that God wants me to follow? Is there something else that God has in store? You need to start preparing. A lot of people, they give up. They quit. That's where they throw in the towel. But I'm going to tell you, just because it's dark and the sun is set... There's going to be a new dawning. There's going to be a new day. Amen. There's going to be a future that lies ahead for you if you can just trust God in the meantime. If you can put it in God's hands in the meantime. If you can believe God in the meantime. Oh, somebody praise the Lord with me right now. So we need to prepare. You know, it's in the... It's in the winter time of life that you prepare for the next season. It's in those times, you know, uh, when, when the snow is falling and the leaves are bare off the trees. And 
it doesn't look like it's not, it's not a fruitful time. Matter of fact, it's a time and a season where it seems like nothing's happening. Aren't you thankful that it's, it's turning spring? Or I guess spring was a couple of days ago. You couldn't really tell. But I mean, and those people up in the Northeast, they sure can't tell. I read somewhere today that, that winter's kind of like a, a, a child that is angry and throwing a tantrum. It screams and hollers and runs out of the room and said, that's it, that's, I'm done, it's over with. And then it comes back and says, one more thing I want to I tell you. That's kind of the way winter is this time of year. It comes back and says, one more thing, one more snowstorm, one more blizzard, one more whatever. Well, I'm ready for it to, I'm ready to close the door on winter. You can tell, can't you? Amen. Well, anyway, uh, winter is a time that you have contemplation. It's a time when you are able to prepare for the spring. And it won't be long till some of you that are gardeners are going to be plowing the soil up again. You're going to be planting seed. And what are you doing? You're preparing for harvest. You're preparing for the next season. You're getting ready. Uh, you know there's a time when you prune uh, certain bushes and things. And then there's a time when you don't do that because it wouldn't be healthy to do that. And so everything has its season. We've got to understand that in our Christian walk, it has seasons of, of fruitfulness. I've seen that in the church, there's seasons of, of, of the moving of the Spirit and fruitfulness and things happening. And then it seems like there's times where it slows down and God stabilizes things and helps us to have times of contemplation. He's wanting to work on us on the inside and, and maybe even times of pruning. And so we have to understand those seasons, seasons and prepare for the next season. You can't just sit back on your laurels and say, well, it's going to come whether or not I'm ready or not. You've got to prepare for that. I said, you've got to prepare for that. And if you prepare for it, you can get the most out of it. And it'll be a blessing to you and not a curse. But that's not all that they did. They did not only prepare, but the Bible says that the next day was the Sabbath. And they persisted in the commandments of the Lord in this time of the Sabbath. They, of course, could not go then and, and perform their duty of anointing uh, the body of Jesus, but they followed the commandment. They followed, in other words, the Word of God, the commands of God, and the will of God during this period of time or in the meantime. In seasons of disappointment, if we're not careful, we can, we can dismiss certain things, or we can even, we can even excuse disobedience in our lives and feel like, well, you know, God, he, you know, you hear people when they, when they want to excuse themselves and disobey or rebel against the word of God, they say, well, God understands what I've been going through and what I've been facing and what trials it's been in my life. And, you know, I may have had a few hiccups, but God understands. And, you know, and, and as if that he's going to give them a pass to be carnal or to quit or to be uh, a sinner. Uh, you know, you don't get any sinning hall passes, as it were, with God. Amen. I know it's quiet in here, but that's okay. I still believe it, even if you're not saying amen. I still believe it. It's still the Word of God. I know we have grace and we have mercy, but you can't pre-plan sin and be presumptuous about it. You can't say, well, I, you know, I think I'll, on, on, on such and such a date, because I've had such a hard week, I'll just go and be bad. That's not how it works, folks. 
Amen. We have grace when we come up short, yes. We have mercy when we come up short, yes. And I'm thankful for that. Aren't you so thankful for that? Every one of us. None of us got angel's wings back there, those shoulder blades. None of us got any halos floating up over our heads. We're, we're all here because of the grace of God. But I don't want to take advantage. In a, in, and when I say advantage, I mean being presumptuous and uh, taking advantage uh, in a wrong way of the grace and the mercies of God. Amen. And so, uh, God, you, you understand, so I'm going to step outside your will for a little bit. And, uh, you know, uh, if we're not careful, we can convince ourselves that it's all right to step outside the bounds of Scripture because we've had such a difficult time. Amen. It's quiet again. But that's all right. That's the will of God that we understand. It's not the will of God you be quiet, you understand. It's the will of God that you say amen to the Word of God. Caught you. Praise God. But sometimes we say, what's the use? What's the use of being faithful if I've got all these troubles going on? What's the use of praying if i got all this stuff happening in my life? What's the use of giving? What's the use of worshiping? What's the use of continuing on? What's the use of staying so consecrated and committed if things don't seem to be changing in my time? If things are bad, don't abort God's plan. Stay true to His Word, and it'll turn out. I said it'll get better if you'll stay with God's plan. The reason why some people don't ever seem to get out of it, and, and they stay down, and they stay uh, in that place of just cycling through troublesome times all the time is because they never do stay true to the Word of God. And until you pass the test that I'm going to stay faithful to the Word of God, you can't go on to blessing. You can't graduate to that place of blessing. But when you, when you pass the test, you get to go to the next level. That doesn't mean there's not going to be any more tests. Matter of fact, they may even get more difficult. Amen. You know, tests, they get more difficult over time. I've, I've been doing a little school. They get more difficult. It was, it's a little harder now than it used to be. It gets a little, requires a little bit more study, a little bit more time than it used to. But that's all right. Anything worth having takes a little time, doesn't it? Takes a little effort. Takes a little diligence. The Bible said he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Praise God. And you diligently stay after this and live for God and stay in it and dig in and say, you know what, I got concrete around my feet and I'm not, I'm not backing off of this. I'm staying with the Word of God. I may not see all that I want to see right now, but I believe that He's faithful who promised. And I'm just going to stay with it. And God's command, I'm going to persist in God's Word, in God's commands, and He's going to come through. Amen. So they persisted in God's plans. They prepared and they persisted in God's plan or His commands for their life. And then... And this is where we have trouble. You've got to be patient. The Bible said they rested on the Sabbath. That means they didn't get involved with it. They wanted to get down there because they knew where he was at. They also knew that there was the threat of him uh, being moved or someone taking his body because the Romans had put guards around there so that evidently the word was out this might happen that could have taken place and they were aware of that of course we know that the hand of God was in it all it wasn't going to happen but in their flesh they could have maybe thought that or been convinced of that 
They wanted to get down there and properly do this duty of anointing the body of Jesus, but they couldn't do it on the Sabbath day. It was a day of rest. And you know, there's sometimes that you just need to hold on in faith. Anybody like yeast rolls like I do? I haven't been eating much of them lately, but you know, that doesn't mean I don't like them. <laughs> Come on now, be honest. Do you like yeast rolls? I thought we had a group of people that liked yeast rolls. I mean, Dixie Diner. If you ever get up to Branson or Cape Girardeau or any of those places where they got Lambert's, the home of the throat roll, man, it's like torpedoes going across the room. Yeah, throw your hand up in the air. I'm going to tell you what makes that roll even better is you get some of that sargum. It takes a minute, but they'll, they'll let it come down off of one of them big old spoons. You know, I got to thinking, I hope nobody's licked that spoon that they're using. You know, they kind of pour that stuff out on the tablecloth or on a napkin or something. You know, I don't know, kind of like, kind of like feeding dogs or something around here. But anyhow. It's good stuff. If you ever go, you want to go back. But if you're not a good catch, it doesn't matter. They'll throw you another one. And they'll throw it across the room. And so, big old fluffy things, how do you think they got that way? I remember my grandmother used to make yeast rolls. And she'd take all the ingredients, put it in a bowl, and, and then they'd do what they call kneading it. And uh, that's, that's stirring it up, making, you know, uh, working that dough. And then, after they pinched those off and put them in the right place uh, on a pan to cook them, they don't put them right in the stove. All you ladies say man that knows what I'm talking about. Some of you don't have a clue. don't sound like what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, they put those out there. And I remember my grandmother placing like a cloth over the top. Anybody ever seen that? And I'd come in there, I'd want to lift it up and look. She said, boy, don't touch them things. Keep your hands off of it. We're letting that rest. We're letting it rise. And the only way this will work is you leave it alone. And then when it comes proper time, we'll place it in the oven. And you guys can eat them later on. But if you get too impatient, you're not going to have any good yeast rolls. If you go to trying to get involved with it before it's time, you're going to mess the whole deal up. I'm going to tell you, that's just the way it is sometimes. You've got to let things rest. You keep stirring it up. You keep, you keep getting involved in it. You keep, keep you know, well, I, you know what? I thought of something else I want to tell them. Uh, and, and, you know, I thought of something else. You know, I, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes you just got to be silent and trust the Lord. And put it in the hands of God. And take your hands off of it. And say, God, it's in your timing. Amen. This is, this is a period of time. I'm just going to let this rest. And I'm going to believe you for your promise. And when the time comes, then I'll move. Then I'll, I'll do what I need to do. But right now, I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I'm just going to trust the Lord. And I know it's difficult when you're in the waiting room to wait. I know it's difficult to, during that period of time to continue to have faith. You don't see a lot happening during that time. You'd like to see a whole lot more results during that time. You wish it'd move a lot faster during that time. 
I'm going to tell you, I'm with you. I got all those same, same human propensities that you do. I feel the same way about prayer requests that I have. But I understand, God, I just keep going to you and talking to you about it. I'm going to take my hands off it and let you do your work because you, knows what, you know what is best. I've done what I can do, but there's a period of time that I've got to let you have it in the meantime. Oh, praise the Lord, and let's give him thanks right now. So prepare, persist, be patient. And then notice the Bible said early. Everybody say early. Early on Sunday morning. Some of you need to really hear this. Early on Sunday morning. Boy, I got him right between the eyes then. I could feel a ya. Early on Sunday morning. They couldn't hardly wait. When, when the time came, when the sun came up, early on Sunday morning, it was their priority to go see Jesus. I'm going to tell you, you got to prioritize going to church. I said, you got to prioritize going to see Jesus. Yeah, you can prepare, you can persist, you can be patient, but when it comes time to move, amen, you got to harness up and say, I'm going to the house of God, I'm going to see the Lord. A lot of people, when trouble comes, they stay away from church. When things aren't going good, they stay home, they find excuses, but when your dreams have not been fulfilled and they've been dashed and and your heart is broken and bad situations have cast their shadow on your life that isn't the Sunday you need to miss church that isn't the Sunday you need to opt out of going to the house of God matter of fact that's when you just need to pull this old flesh up by the nap of the neck and say I'm going to the house of the Lord I'm going to where my strength comes from I'm going to where my hope is I'm going where I can find help I'm going where I can find strength oh somebody help me preach for a little bit here tonight I'm going to where I can get my blessing. I'm going to where I can get rejuvenated. I'm going to where I can be encouraged. I'm going where I can hear a fresh word. I'm going where I can be bolstered in my faith. Amen. Let's clap our hands and give praise to him right now. Amen. You can't, you can't ride them tides of life like that and let them affect you. You can't let emotional highs and lows affect you like that. If they, you know, the devil learns how to push your buttons, he'll push them the rest of your life. Well, if I just do this, that I found out that old trick works. You gotta, you gotta get in it. You gotta make up your mind. You know, stock market is one of those things that fluctuates. Amen. Thankfully, it's been pretty good in the last last several months. But you know, studying a little bit about this, they tell me that. It goes through not just monthly or, or uh, you know, quarterly or whatever, periods of rise and fall, but it also goes through cycles over years of time. It'll have a climb for maybe seven years, and then it'll have a decline. Or and sometimes it'll extend a little bit beyond that. And you know that they identify the market, the rise and fall of the market in two ways. They talk about bull investors and bear investors. And some of you, like me, have heard that before and wondered what in the world are they talking about. It wasn't until I kind of 
studied a little bit about this that I found out what that means. And a good way to remember it is each of these animals, bull and bear, is remember how uh, they attack. Uh, and and uh, a bull will put down his head or his horns and, and, and charge upward. And uh, that's how a bull market is. It, 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 it may have been in a dip, but it's coming up. And there's people that they'll connect to a rising market and ride it to the top. They see it kind of trending towards being a bull market, and so they'll jump on it and jump on board and get off somewhere when it gets to the top, and, and they make money that way. Bear market, a way to remember that is a bear stands up, it's time of attack. Fortunately, I've, I've hunted a few bear, but I've never had one like that. Thank God. But I've never hunted grizzly bear either. So anyway, they, they come up and they swipe down when they attack. And that's when the market is at its peak and it starts coming down. That's what they call a bear market. That's the way that you can remember that. And, you know, uh, that seems like the last time that you would want to jump into the market is when it's gone down. But you know that bear investors make more money in the long run than do bull investors because they have enough sense to know that it may be down right now, but it's coming back. It's going to rise again. It may be in a law or trough right now, but it's going to return to a high at some point. It may, be, it may not be making much money right now, but, but I'm going to, and it may, it may even be looking like it could go down further, but I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to jump in now. And so when it goes back up, they're the ones that really make the money because, you know, that, that bull investor, he's already watched it go up a little bit before he jumps in. But that, that, that bear investor, sometimes he gets it when it's way down there at the basement level, at the bottom, and he buys in real cheap because he knows if I can just hang with this long enough, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. Well, I'm going to tell you something, that there is, there's bull worshipers and bear worshipers in the church sometimes. There's people that they'll connect with the trend of, man, revival spirit and the blessings of God are flowing. And, man, we're having a great Sunday night and things is moving. And it's easy to jump in then. It's easy to see the need of worship and then. It's easy to get on board with the prayer meeting then. It's easy to lift your hands then. It's easy to sing with folks then. But, oh, that person that when it's, when it's down and things aren't, aren't going so good and things don't seem like they're going to get better anytime soon. That person that said, like David said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually in the low time. I'm still going to praise him because I know, I know it's not going to stay down here. I know I'm not going to stay down here. I know I'm not going to stay in this place of discouragement and despondency. I'm not going to stay in this place of hopelessness in this place of, of not knowing and being uncertain. I know that I'm not staying down here, but it's going to rise again, and I'm just going to go ahead and praise him now. I'm going to go ahead in the low period of my life. I'm going to lift my hands and my voice. Why don't you stand with me right now? Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Let's give him praise. Let's give him thanks. Let's worship him with all of our heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. In the meantime, I'll praise him. In the meantime, I'll worship him. In the meantime, I'll lift my voice and sing in faith because I know. Praise the Lord. I know this thing's going to end up good if I keep holding on to him. If I keep believing him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Somebody just feel like giving him a wave offering right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's really give him some praise, church. Let's really give him some praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's going to rise if I just keep having faith. It's going to come back if I just keep having faith. Maybe low right now, but I'm not going to stop praising. I'm not going to stop worshiping. I'm not going to stop praising God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I hope this word's helped somebody tonight. I hope somebody understands there's some things we can learn when it seems hopeless in our lives by others that have walked in similar situations. Amen. You can look at people that you've been believing for and praying for. And I mean, it looks like this situation with them is buried. I mean, it's under. It's not even something that looks like could be excavated. It just looks like it's gone, hopeless. And God is able to turn things around. Because he had promised them, they're going to put me in the grave. I'm going to be in the heart of the earth. But I'm not going to be there long. And so it's what you do right now. It's going to test your faith. It's going to test your hope and your belief in God. But you've got to stay strong. You've got to stay steady. And you've got to stay faithful in the meantime.